1: Hello, beloved. Good to be with you this morning. You know, I think, um, I think we just took our little video off. I'm not sure. Um, I'm going to ask our engineer if we're, if we're okay. Are we okay? Okay. I'm so sorry, uh, beloved. Maybe you could hear me, but you won't be able to see me. So we'll connect, uh, visually in in just a few minutes. So sorry about that. Um, Hold on one more minute. Boy, these technical glitches. Hold on one moment. I'm going to do something here. Pray a Hail Mary. Okay, hold on. Hold on a moment. I don't have it yet. Okay. This is a little crazy, huh? A little bit crazy. Well, good morning, everyone. You can hear me, right? Um, the audio, okay. All right. I we just have a new link, uh, so if you've already prayed the Hail Mary prayer, now Father, and we see if we can connect. Um, one more minute. Hold on. That did it. I think. Yep, it did it. Okay. God bless all of you. Thank you for helping us. Um, Yesterday, dear ones, I began to say there's so much craziness in the world. It's just evil is the description. so much evil going on. Um, I I even learned that uh, yesterday's program was taken off YouTube. Uh, They're censoring who knows how many people. And um, we just keep going. We just keep going and let God be God. Let him be in control. What I started yesterday was to read to you um, one of the most beautiful stories I've ever read. And it was in last year's Christmas newsletter, our Christmas newsletter. And I mentioned to you yesterday that we have our our Christmas newsletter for this year going to the printer um, uh, today or tomorrow. And we're repeating, among other things, that one story because people have asked for copies of it. It's so beautiful. It's not fiction. It is the actual childhood story written as an adult of Michael Matt, the editor of The Remnant. And he's titled it Waiting for the Christ Child. And this is from a family who homeschools their children? Who who he? Michael now represents the I don't know how many generations of um, of the Matt family that have lived the beautiful, beautiful Catholic faith and have not let all the modernism and um, degrading influences creep in. And it's such a be- Michael just read, he wrote this four years ago. And I just came across it last year and contacted him to see if we could include it in our newsletter and read it over the air to you. And of course, he gave us permission, which I was thrilled about. And I don't know that he thinks anything too special of it, but compared to what's going on in the world today, I I just find it exquisite. It's the word. It's just exquisite, beloved. And I'm reading it, rereading it this year in the hope that... Um, it'll catch your hearts and you will say, forget Christmas shopping, not completely, but forget this, forget that, forget this, forget looking at the news. Just let's come together as a family. We're approaching Advent for the first time. Let's really find out what Advent's about and Christmas and let's really live it. Your lives will be changed. I'm just telling you, I know that. So Yesterday, it's very hard for me to not talk. I think you've picked that up, Um, to not comment as I read an article, but I'll never finish it. So I'm going to start from the beginning and read right through to the end without commenting. Um, It's going to be a bit of a miracle, uh, but I will try not to comment. So Michael writes this, this will be the fourth Christmas since my father passed away. I suppose everyone misses deceased family members most this time of year. I know I do. My father loved Christmas. I sometimes wonder, in fact, what impact his larger-than-life celebrations of the birth of Christ had on the faith of his nine children, each of whom continues to practice the old faith to this day. He believed that just as Advent, the mini Lent, was to be kept well with plenty of spiritual and corporal works of mercy, so too should Christmas be feted with all the merrymaking and gusto a Catholic family can muster. He knew that children are not born theologians who can grasp the intricacies of the great mysteries of faith at an early age. The faith needed to be lovingly spoon-fed to them. And so the childlike customs of Christmas were for him tailor-made to instill love for the faith before the children were old enough to even begin to understand it. What a shame it is then to see well-meaning traditional Catholic parents discarding those customs altogether in a misguided effort to counter the commercialization of Christmas. No gift-giving, no merry-making, no feasting on Christmas. Alas, the baby is being thrown out with the bathwater in a dreary world where pessimism and cynicism, rather than righteousness and peace, have kissed each other We must guard against robbing our children of the wonder and joy of Christmas, the seedbed for a child's faith. Our poor children may live long enough to see Christmas outlawed altogether in our brave new world, even as it was once before by the pilgrims who invented Thanksgiving out of contempt for the popish feast of Christmas. Anti-Catholics have long sought to destroy our great feast, which is why we must be certain that in our eagerness to oppose the commercialization of Christmas, we don't become puritanical agents working toward the same diabolical end. Many Catholics oppose the custom of Santa Claus, that somewhat off-putting caricature of the great St. Nicholas. Admittedly, the red suit, the corpulent figure, and the stocking cap here uh, <clears throat> bear strikingly slim resemblance to the 4th century Bishop of Myra. And the flying sleigh and reindeer are more reminiscent of pagan myths than Christmas truth, but few have thought to provide a good alternative to the jolly old elf. So I'd like to offer one now by reintroducing readers to the old Catholic Christmas custom that the Germans called Christkind, or Christ child, and that American children of European immigrants would call simply the baby Jesus. Here's what I remember. Michael Matt writes, it all began in Advent, when my seven sisters and brothers were expected to prepare for the coming of Christkind, pronounced Christkind. Under Mother's watchful eye, we'd fashion a small makeshift manger that would remain unoccupied until Christmas Day. As Advent progressed, good deeds were encouraged on a daily basis, and each time it was determined that a good deed had been done, one piece of straw was placed in the empty manger the idea being that Advent was a time to prepare a bed on which the baby Jesus could sleep when he arrived. Under the rules of the old custom, the practice of virtue was an essential part of a child's preparation for Christmas. Each night after supper, the lights would be turned down while Advent wreath candles were lit. The haunting strains of O Come, O come Emmanuel would be lifted somewhat awkwardly, I suppose, on the voices of children. Shadows and flickering flames played on faces across the dining room table, making it easy for a child to imagine that he sat with the Israelites of old waiting for the Messiah to come. As the four weeks passed, seemingly as slowly as those 4,000 years, one question became constant. Have my sacrifices been enough to please Christkind? And thus the weeks of Advent were spent in preparation and waiting, as they should be. Gradually the empty manger would fill with straw, as the stage was set for celestial visitor, for a celestial visitor, on the evening of December 23rd, my father would hang a curtain. Now, December 23rd, beloved, my father would hang a curtain over the doorway of our living room, which if that straw was piled high enough, was to be transformed into the Christmas room by the baby Jesus himself in the middle of the night. There's the music for our first break, beloved. I've read this story ten times, and I have chills right now reading this, anticipating what is ahead. I've never read anything more beautiful about Christmas or Advent or waiting for the Christ child. Your families would be transformed if you simply read this and made it your instruction manual. It's so beautiful, dear ones. Um, We will take your calls at the second break, but this is our first break, and we will continue the story when we come back. But you are welcome to call in ahead with anything at all on your heart, dear ones. Toll free 1 877 511 5483 or email at mother at the station of We'll be right back.
2: The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year and we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year.
0: The developing systems of a human baby are more or less complete by eight weeks of pregnancy, but will require another seven months inside his mother before he is ready to emerge. During that seven months, his weight will multiply up to a thousand times, and all of his systems get to practice working in unison. Human life is sacred. Think about it. Coalitionforlife.com
3: We offer several ways to view our programming grid, including at our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices.
1: It, to me, uh, just one of the most beautiful articles I have ever read, and it is Michael Matt, the editor of the Remnant, <clears throat> recalling his his uh, Christmas uh, as a child growing up in his family. And I'm just going to pick up the previous paragraph where we ended, and um, he was just saying that. Um, Um, let me see, that they had a manger prepared and all through Advent, every time they did a good deed, they would put a a piece of straw in the manger, hoping that by Christmas, all through Advent, there'd be enough straw for the Christ child. And Michael writes, as the four weeks passed, seemingly as slowly as those 4,000 years, one question became constant. Have my sacrifices been enough to please Christkind, the Christ Child, and thus the weeks of Advent were spent in preparation and waiting, as they should be. Gradually, the empty manger—pardon me—the empty manger would fill with straw as the stage was set for a celestial visitor. On the evening of December twenty-third, my father would hang a curtain over the doorway of our living room which, if that straw was piled high enough, was to be transformed into the Christmas room by the baby Jesus himself in the middle of the night. Then it was off to sleep, a seemingly impossible prospect. The Christmas Eve mornings I remember. Now, I said I wouldn't comment, but listen to this, beloved. Christmas Eve mornings, the whole day of December 24th, is Christmas Eve. So the morning of Christmas Eve, Michael writes, I remember, are marked by a combination of joy and wonder. Children still in their jammies could scarcely whisper the words to a curiously exhausted mother. Did he come? All day long, we weren't allowed to go near the curtain, lest one of us should succumb to the temptation to peak, which would be to risk the instant disappearance of whatever Christkind may have brought. A lifetime of self-discipline was taught between dawn and dusk on Christmas Eve. After a day of chores, naps, and helping with the house cleaning, the anticipated hour of 7 o'clock would finally arrive, We'd gather in the back room and sing Christmas carols in candlelight as our mother would read aloud the story that always began the same way, quote, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. <clears throat> we listened as Father disappeared into the Christmas room to take down the curtain and see to the final arrangements for the holy ritual. Only he was worthy to take over for the Christkind. The wait seemed interminable. Then, all at once, his voice would call out from the darkness, Come, children, Christkind has come! Breathlessly, we'd make our candlelit procession from the back room to the living room, singing the words of the old German carol as we went. The Ihr the, kinderling, um, Uh, Oh, I can't say it all in German. Um, I'll I'll mess it up if I try. We'd gather round my father, who now was kneeling in front of the nativity scene. We'd do our best not to um, crane our necks and look at the darkened Christmas tree or whatever might be lying beneath it. Each child placed a crib figure into the creche and the youngest put the baby in his manger then prayers were said christmas carols were quietly sung see still darkened christmas tree christmas carols were quietly sung deceased family members were remembered and father spoke of the marvelous thing that had happened long ago at midnight in bethlehem in piercing cold I can still see the cast of Bethlehem bathed in a warm, peaceful glow, seeming as real to me as if I were a shepherd boy looking down from that hillside over Bethlehem. I can hear my father and mother's hushed voices as they prayed and sang to the same royal baby that shepherds and angels had adored centuries ago. That sacred moment was like a porthole in time, where traveling back to the city of David just then seemed not only possible to a child, but imminent. Those long ago Christmas Eves remain vivid in my memory, remain vivid in my memory 35 years later. And the gifts under the tree, I don't remember many of them, There was no question that Christmas was what Christmas was about. We could feel it in the depths of our young souls. We could see it in the tears that formed in our father's eyes as he prayed aloud. We could hear it in our mother's voice as she sang softly, Silent night, holy night, all is calm. Christmas was about the baby. Mary, Joseph, shepherds, angels in Bethlehem. It was something as powerful that it could even cause our, it was something so powerful that it could even cause our father's voice to tremor in the darkness as he explained who the baby is and what he expects of us. We knew that Chris Kind was real Because our father and mother were kneeling on the floor before the manger praying to him. Moments later, the magic of Christmas, the feast, the Catholic family celebration burst forth in jubilation. The majestic tree was lit. There was singing and dancing, bowls of nuts and candy. Um, especially delivered by the baby Jesus himself, seemed to appear out of nowhere, and there, under the tree, were the gifts. The second uh, the second to last phase of the ritual. He had come. He had brought little rewards for advent efforts. The family was together, united in love for each other, and a child king we cherished with all our hearts. You must understand my parents had no money, and yet somehow Christmas came, year after year, and it was fit for a king. That was part of the miracle, but this was just the beginning. The toys and good things to eat were set aside to be enjoyed on each and every one of the twelve days of Christmas. Now the soul of Christmas Eve was about to be celebrated coats and hats mittens and scarves were the next order of business the old station wagon groaned in the frosty night and the frosty night air as father turned the key in the ignition nine children were loaded up and moments later the little ones peered through the frosted glass in the hopes of catching a glimpse of bethlehem star on the way to midnight mass <coughs> It would be Christmas Day before the night would draw to a peaceful close in a dimly lit church filled with the scent of pine needles and candle wax and incense. Not long before the first night of Christmas Day glowed in the east, sleepy children would crawl into chilly beds as content as ever a child could be this side of heaven's gate. And why not? Christ is born. The years have passed so quickly since those childhood days that I can scarcely believe that the five little ones who processed into my living room each Christmas Eve are my own, that my beloved father and one sister are no longer with us, and the rest of us have aged more than we can care to admit, but strangely enough, the baby Jesus remains unchanged and unchanging, ever young, ever new. He is the same now as he was then. My children's imaginations are as captivated by him now as mine was then. Life is moving on, but somehow Christmas is the one thing that stays the same <clears throat> needless to say his midnight visit on christmas eve is the highlight of the year for my children why because as i see it this old european christmas custom is profoundly catholic there is nothing plastic plastic banana or phony baloney about it children are not are neither taught to equate christmas with wicked consumerism or godless puritanism They are taught the mystery of the birth of Christ and the importance of celebrating the feast. The importance of celebrating the feast, Advent, is a most essential part of the process, even as Midnight Mass is its climax. Even now, Michael writes, my own children, walking in the footsteps of their little Catholic counterparts from the old world, are trading daily acts of kindness and virtues for little pieces of straw that are lovingly tucked away into an empty manger for one night soon the child of bethlehem will transform their home and their souls into a place fit for a king for a few miraculous moments life will stand perfectly still and the line between the physical world and the spiritual one will become mercifully obscured. Chris kind creates in children an indissoluble bond between the joy of Christmas, which celebrates his birth, and the Catholic faith itself, which is his greatest gift. In real Christmas cheer, the two become one, and the proper celebration of the Holy Day plants seeds of faith in the little garden of children's souls, even as they shout for joy. As they grow older, their faith in Christkind transformed itself, transforms itself naturally into belief in the real presence of Christ in the blessed sacrament, the true meaning of Christmas. There is no deceit in the Christkind custom, for indeed there is no deceit in the Christkind, the Christ child, He does come down to earth on Christmas Eve. His providence provides everything we need in this life, and he exists just as surely as we do. He was born. He has a mother whom we all know and love, and he comes to us often at Mass, Christ's Mass. He comes to us at Christmas, has fallen Has fallen man ever had more reason for feast or feasting than this? Let us be glad and rejoice. Merry Christmas to one and all. Christ is born. May the grace of Christkind be with all the readers of the remnant this Christmas, and may he bless one and all with a happy and holy new year. We just made it at the end. Dear ones, we'll take your call after the break, Your all your calls. But I would say to you, get this Christmas story from us by being part of our newsletter mailing, or go to our website, www.motherofisraelshope.org, um, or the archives of Remnant. Uh, this is your instruction manual. You don't need anything else. Transform your family um, and the hearts of your children to know who Christ is, to love the Savior who has come to earth and given them life. We'll be right back.
4: Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our Church is in a time of crisis and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true.
5: D'Aminous et Barabé
1: beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live to let you know that there is a magnificent array of programs that originate from the station of the cross such as stand out for life with jim havens and father imbarato they pray for and discuss the pro-life movement each saturday morning live at 9 a.m eastern you can also listen to stand out for life anytime as a podcast on the iCatholic radio mobile app
3: The Station of the Cross thanks our financial supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization not affiliated with your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we're able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family.
1: back dear ones to mother miriam live we have a whole half hour together and i invite you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart uh, the heart of the matter is a matter of a, your heart it does not have to be our subject and the toll-free number is one 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com hold on a moment <clears throat> We have Tommy from Rochester on the line. Are you there, Tommy? Yes, good morning,
6: Mother, and God morning.
1: You too, dear one. Thanks for your patience and holding on.
6: Oh, absolutely. Um, So my question would be, uh, during all of the chaos that is going on in the world right now, and how uh, people are gravitating to either the light of Christ or, unfortunately, their their darkest places and are then finding the light of Christ again um, through religion and uh, and what's happening is that there are so many uh, avenues for religion right now that people are uh, almost inundated with, with possibilities and those of us who were raised Catholic may be finding religion again uh, through other denominations such as uh, Baptist in my sure. experience and 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 what I would like to know is where does the Catholic Church stand on as long as you are finding your path in Christ um, is it necessarily uh, as strict as it may have once been uh, that it be a strictly Catholic belief
1: well Um, Tommy, dear brother, truth is truth. Huh? And so, um, truth cannot change. It does not change whether we know it, whether we believe it or not. Truth is truth. Our Lord himself, as you would know, said he is truth and that he would establish his church and lead that church into all truth until the end of time. And he did not establish an invisible body of believers he established his church on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with a hierarchy, with a form of liturgy, and all of that. And he said the gates of hell will not prevail. And so he did not establish churches, and he did not certainly establish within Christi- so-called Christianity uh, what the IRS uh, has uh, estimated is over 40,000 denominations, but he established his church, which is the Catholic Church. So now, I first came to Christ from my Jewish background through the Baptist Church. Um, I will be forever grateful to them and their love for Christ without any question. But I found my way, because of God's unfathomable love and mercy, into the church that he founded, which is the Catholic Church. So, if you return to Christ through, let's just say, the Baptist Church, as you mentioned, um, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, Tommy, because you are you are seeking God, and it's always always good to seek God. And the Baptist Church does believe in the death and res, uh, atoning death and resurrection of Christ, without any question. But it is outside the church that He established. Um, I remember uh, the testimony. You might take a look at it if you don't know the name of Steve Ray. um, His website is um, catholic-convert.org, I think, Catholic uh, or Defenders of the Faith, catholicconvert.org. Steve was in uh, a Christian denomination. The Catholic Church is not a denomination. It is, we believe, the Church Christ established. And anything that broke off from that uh, uh, is a denomination is called a denomination, but God did not intend denominations. And I don't remember what Steve Ray was in, but he said one day he, uh, there's all these boats in the ocean. And one day he saw a huge, huge ship. And he said to one of the Uh, I don't know if he had a dream or it was his experience one of the other uh, individuals on his little boat he said what is that it's huge and someone said oh that's the mothership and he said "Well, why aren't we on that I want to be on that and so he he came into the church that's you know just a very simple um, explanation of of a scenario but When one comes back to Christ through the Baptist Church, I say, blessed be God forever. Never stop seeking truth. Never stop seeking Christ. St. Augustine said that to be in the Catholic Church is to be in the Church Christ established. It's not uh, uh, more than Christ. It's not other than Christ. It's the whole Christ. And so to be in the Catholic Church is to be in the Church, our Christ, our Lord, established, which is to receive truly His body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, as you will remember, I'm sure, when you were raised Catholic, you may not have understood it or believed it, but our, our Lord, uh, uh, I know you believe this, Tom, He came from heaven and took bo- a body and blood, became man through the Virgin Mary, and it took me from a Baptist background 18 years to realize that he went a further step of condescension and became our food in the Eucharist. Not symbolic, but truly our food. And left us the sacraments. So you don't have any of that in the Baptist Church. You do have baptism, blessed be God, but you don't have any of the other sacraments which God gave us to give us grace um, and so and to have us walk with him. So... Um, i would say uh, tommy that um to come back to christ is i say blessed be god forever uh, however he leads you back to him but i would say don't stop until you come back to the whole christ and truly the church that he established which he said to his disciples um, that he would lead into truth till the end of time and the baptist church and the whole evangelical world is hardly even 3 years 300 years old and the only one that goes back to the apostles is the catholic church as awful as it is with all its um dirty laundry its scandal everything else it is the church christ established and um i would i'd recommend Tommy if if you wish a couple of books to you that you could read along the way. Would you wish that?
6: Yes, please. That would be wonderful.
1: Okay. I I know these because they were extraordinarily helpful to me. I spent years trying to get Catholics out of the church, um, and uh, these were very powerful for me. One of them is called, um, uh, let's see, Fundamentalist and Catholic. Fundamentalist and Catholic. Uh, it's written by Carl Keating who is the founder of Catholic Answers on the website catholic.com and Carl goes through um the scriptural basis of every catholic belief versus uh what a fundamentalist uh would believe and which is largely baptist um, and the other book is um oh i can't forget it let's see um it's by carl adam um a d a m carl adam oh it's the best book in the entire world how can i how could i not think of it it's it's written of a of a christianity um prior to the reformation it's 13th century when the world was catholic and uh when it, they stopped at noon Uh, to pray the Angelus in the street, in the marketplaces, all of that. How could I? I I can't think of it right now. Um, If you go to Catholic, it's my favorite book in the world. Um, And I cannot, Carl Adam, if anyone can think of the title, uh, email it or call in uh, to the Station of the Cross and uh, let us know. I'm going to look that up. And Tommy, you could go to catholic.com and look in their store or shop, I'm not sure quite how they name it, and just type in the name Carl Adam, A-D-A-M. I I don't know if Adam has an S on it, if it's Adams or Adam, and there's no way they won't have that book. Uh, So you will will see it, and I'll look it up during the next break. All right, Tommy, those two... um, and and if you can include them in your journey, uh, it would be very, very wonderful. And include the website. Uh, oh, there it is. Somebody at Station of the Cross came to our rescue. Thank you so much. Um, and it's called The Spirit of Catholicism. That's it. Someone at the oh, Station of the you. Cross. James, thank you so much. Uh, it's our engineer, Dame, dear James. Um, the Spirit of Catholicism. I read... I used 200 books in an almost five-year agonizing journey to the Catholic Church, Tommy. That was my number one book. It's just outstanding. I found it so. Wonderful. All right, Tommy. God bless you, dear one. Call back anytime. Let us know how you're doing.
6: Thank you. God bless.
1: Okay, you too, dear Tommy. And we have a call from Zolt in Los Angeles. Hello, Zolt. Are you there? Now, I guess maybe, maybe Zolt dropped, maybe the call dropped. We're going to go to our uh, email. Let's see. And we have Hello. an email. Are you there?
5: I am here. Can you hear
1: me? Oh, uh, I can hear you now, Zolt. God bless you. Yes, oh, okay. go ahead. Oh, go how ahead. are you? So oh, I have a, I'm good. I have,
5: a question of, <laughs> I have a question about the apostolic succession. Sure. Both the Roman Catholic Church claims it and the Orthodox Church claims it. Yes. That they are infallible due to the apostolic succession. Uh so my question is, and I know that it, it's only regarding certain topics, like when the Pope is talking from the Peter's chair, right?
1: Well, the Orthodox uh, so not- Church does not claim to be infallible. They, they, As you say, rightly, they claim, as does the Catholic Church, to have apostolic succession, but they don't claim to be infallible or to have the gift of infallibility because they're not under the Pope and that gift was given only to Christ's vicar on earth they don't claim it but they do claim oh, to have I apostolic thought that the ex- church
5: go I ahead so the church did claim overall i thought that the orthodox church claimed infallibility as a church as a whole not as their patriarch but when the church comes together whatever decision they make that is infallible guided by the spirit
1: no because um, that gift, and, and you, I th- you started to explain the gift, and it sounds like you, you've got it, you rightly understand it. No, both have apostolic succession, but as you may know, the Orthodox Church has split itself into different denominations. Uh, there's no pope, there's no vicar, there's no head. They do not claim that gift of infallibility. That was given only to Peter. And again, to his successors on earth, which, as you started to say, is the gift that when the Pope speaks ex cathedra from the chair, uh, he is that in faith and morals, he speaks something that is binding on the faithful. He is protected from error. But the Orthodox Church does not have that.
5: So then how come the, the Catholic Church accepts the validity of the sacraments of the the eastern church like yes, the true presence
1: in- indeed indeed because there is apostolic succession and the way that the the sacraments are valid is that when the church split in 1058 54 I might, yeah 54 thank you um it split and the bishops had all been properly ordained uh, had a, had a right succession, so when they split, those bishops were rightly su- uh, they did succeed from the apostles, and therefore the sacraments were valid, and those they were ordained since they had a proper succession would be valid as well. So the sacraments are valid, but that didn't give them the gift of uh, the papacy and the infallibility of the, of the vicar. You say C- that they're also yeah? yeah sweet I'm so sorry can you hang on till after the break
5: yes I can thank you okay I old.
1: appreciate it so hold on um, and we'll be right back beloved with our last segment and you're welcome to call in our lines are wide open toll free 18775115483 we'll be right back.
0: of the cross we proudly bring the truths of the catholic faith to countless listeners through radio and mobile devices and we're grateful for the feedback we've received
2: i'm a widower parent of three almost adults and listen to you guys around the clock father Society of Jesus. He's wonderful. Mother Miriam, of course, the Divine Office, and many other great things that the Station of the Cross does. So, thanks very much for your great
1: work. I had a friend at work email me and tell me about the Station of the Cross a couple months after it started, and I was so excited, I tuned into it, and I found that I love the Catholic Station.
0: If you've been blessed by listening to the Station of the Cross, let us know. Call 1-877-888-6279, extension 112, then share your testimonial with us.
1: Hello and welcome back, dear ones, to uh, Mother Miriam Live. Um, and then so, hello. I think that's the first time I said hello. Hello, beloved. Welcome back. Um, this is our last segment. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free 1-877-511-5483 or email <clears throat> at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We're on the line with a dear brother Zolt from Los Angeles. Are you still there, Zolt? I am okay. Um, you were just asking something, and I interrupted you as we went to the break. We're we're talking about um, apostolic succession um, in the church, and and what were you about to say, Zolt? We're talking about whether the yeah. Orthodox have apostolic. They have the sacraments, v- the validity of the sacraments through apostolic succession, but um, but the ap- the I- the gift of infallibility. Um, uh, comes down from the vicar of Christ. So go ahead, Salt.
5: So my my question is, based on my research, I, I didn't find anywhere that the Eastern Orthodox Church split into the different denominations, mm-hmm. and you said that they did.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, did they? No, mm-hmm. Yes, if you go, uh, let's see now... Um, Uh oh dear. I'm looking on Catholic answers and um I wish I could find a succinct um um Okay. Pope I I'm so I'm trying to read through this to, to see um where it may be but you know uh, let me just see if i can type this one in hold on one minute and that was one of the arguments why we need the papacy because then there's no head uh there's no one true head um let's just see um I'm just looking it up under Eastern Orthodoxy, because that's what it would be. Um, um, <clears throat> all right, hold on. I'm sorry. You know, I need to look this up. I did know it, um, but I don't recall uh, now to tell you where that is. Um Consummation when this unfortunate. All right, um, I'd have to. I'd have to look at. It. I'd have to look at it. But here it is: Eastern fragmentation um, after the split between the East and West. Um, mm, you know what? I I, I will. Um, I don't want to be. Uh, irresponsible in in quickly finding something for you zolt but um i i think i think it would be good Uh, catholic answers catholic.com i will do this homework also dear one but catholic.com um has um, uh, a number of articles so if you look up the eastern orthodox churches or the orthodox church um uh, you will find that information and I apologize that I wasn't prepared for your question. Um, but but take a look at it. What was the main the main um, point of your question was what? The,
5: the main point was if there is a confusion because John is clear there is no confusion in God. so how is it possible that Holy Spirit one teaches this to the Orthodox Church the Holy Spirit two teaches this to the to the Roman Church?
1: Yeah, that's that, right.
5: That a that's
1: that is the question. He is not the author of confusion. That's the question through all Protestantism. I don't compare the Orthodox Church with Protestantism in the sense that they have the Orthodox has valid sacraments and a valid apostolic succession, but again, they are not under the Pope, and um, the the it is the chair of Peter um, that God protects the church by giving the Holy Father the gift of infallibility, which, again, is to say that um, um, he doesn't give it to the bishops individually, but he gives it to the one who occupies the chair of Peter uh, to prevent um, error in the church. Only, a pope can teach much error, um, but if he... uh, uh, binds it on the faithful. If a pope, teach her- pope teaches heresy and tells the faithful in matters of faith and morals that we must believe that heresy, um, then he is. Then we are protected by the gift of infallibility that God will prevent him from from making such an act. But there's no guarantee outside of the papacy for that. Again, the valid sacraments, the sacraments are valid through apostolic succession, so that every bishop um, who has been rightly um, ordained from the apostles to this day um, have valid sacraments, and those they ordain are valid. And so the sacraments remain valid as opposed to the Anglican Church that truly split from the Catholic Church and has no valid apostolic succession and the sacraments are not valid. Rather, the Eucharist is not valid. Baptism is valid. Um, uh, So the gift is given to the successor of Christ. Um, Again, I, I... I'm going to look up more information and go ahead and look it up. Catholic Answers, Catholic.com is going to have, they have, I've already looked, they have many, many articles, but I'm not going to take up our program, reading them to come down to the specific issues. But go on, go on Catholic.com and um, you'll be able to get the history of that.
5: Thank you, Mother, so much. Actually, you gave a better answer than Jimmy Aiken did because I talked to him about this. Thank you, Mother, so oh, much. Oh,
1: Jimmy Akin is, a, is probably one of the best apologists in the world. So, uh,
5: Yes, he wh- is, but your answer, I, I like your answer, more logical. So thank okay. you, Mother, so, so okay. much. Yeah,
1: God, bless dear, God bless you, dear God bless you, too. sweetheart. You too, thank you. Okay, we have an email, and let me see. Hold on just a moment, because I just... Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Hold on, please. I lost your screen. I have it now. Um, We're almost near uh, the end of the program, dear ones. Boy, I tell you, the the technical little clicks this morning are something, huh? Um, Let me see if I could quickly uh, answer this email. From uh, Iwana, I've been tremendously enjoying your show. I have neighbors who are a gay couple, claim to be Catholic. They seem nice and cordial with us. They are older and we volunteer to walk their dog. They hate Trump. And when I shared the video of Father Altman's homily, they responded, thanks for the heads up, sarcastically. I told my husband that I no longer want to walk their dog, poor little dog is in the middle of this, or be in contact with them. But he insists he does. He is maybe right, and we should forgive them. It's not a matter of your forgiving them. They need God's forgiveness, and they'll maybe receive God's forgiveness through your love. But this is very hard for me. Please let me hear your wisdom on this issue. Thanks again. I won't. I wanna You must love. God, we love because God first loved us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be Catholics. We wouldn't be Christians. So you must continue to love. You don't Uh, respect their lifestyle you don't have to respect their beliefs but you even more so must bring christ and christ's love to them absolutely you don't need to forgive them you need to pray that they will seek god's forgiveness because they will come to know him through your love god bless all of you dear ones and we'll speak with you tomorrow